It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, we're back and better than ever on the two-point stance. What's up, everybody? I'm your boy, Brian Drake. Check me out at Drake Fantasy on Twitter. Hanging with Joe Dolan, the managing editor of FantasyPoints.com. FG underscore Dolan is how you find him. What's up, brother? How you been? Oh, I'm doing okay, Drake. It was, uh, it's was it been a long time, like 12 hours since I last talked to you. So, <laughs> so it's good to be with you. Um, uh, obviously, though, a lot of news has come down since we last talked. And mm. I unfortunately can't get to roast you all over again for your Brees Hall pick in the third round of the of the Kings Classic Draft. So uh, we'll be talking about that. I know you were... Uh, you sent me a, um, uh, I think it was a one-word expletive when you saw it. <laughs> yeah. When you saw the signing of Dalvin Cook, so it's a, it's good to be with Drake. Good. Uh, we're uh, we're you're listening to this on on Wednesday, I believe. We're recording Tuesday, but you're listening Wednesday because uh, John Hanson just had a podcast with uh, with Adam Schefter that has a lot of insider tidbits. So. Uh, anyway, good to be with you, Drake. Good to be with you, you Graham. Drake, I, I don't want to steal your thunder, but you want to introduce Graham to the pod, don't you? Yeah, so we've got the preseason week one behind us. There's a lot you can take from that and a lot that's total nonsense. So what we have here is our main man, Graham Barfield. Follow him at Graham Barfield on Twitter. He has sifted through the wasteland that is third string depth charts and <laughs> preseason second halves and found the actionable content. So, Graham, welcome back to the Two Point Stands. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you guys again. Uh, I think it's our third or fourth show this year, so rounding it out here before the season starts. And, uh, yeah, preseason's here, a bunch of RB news. Finally, I, it feels like, you know, Joe, I know you and I do a bunch of, bunch of drafts. It's kind of nice. Like, we've got a – I know, you know, Brees Hall, poor one out, but it's kind of nice to get a, you know, kind of like a rejig of the ADP here a month before, you know, week one. So, drafts are going to be a lot of fun here with uh, – yeah. With all this news, I've got my calendar just flying right now. I have a I separate, <laughs> I have a separate color in my Apple calendar uh, for for fantasy drafts and for my redraft league. So we've scheduled our auction, we've scheduled our, you know, we're doing our dynasty league draft right now. It's it, it's a really fun time of year. There is literally nothing better than adding your drafts to your calendar. It's just like the, it's the best feeling in the world. And this is uh, it's prime draft time. It's good time. It is prime draft time. And if you were like me and you drafted a little earlier, maybe you thought, hey, I got a deal and a half on Brees Hall. He's going to return from injury. He's going to be the RB1 with this revamped Jets offense. Well, then you got kicked square in the balls yesterday like I did because Delvin Cook has signed with the New York football Jets, a deal worth up to $8 million. We'll talk all about this and what it affects Brees Hall, but interesting nugget that came out guys from the insiders is that Delvin Cook's not quite even ready to practice yet coming off that shoulder surgery so he's still about a week out this morning before we started recording news broke that Brees Hall is being activated off the pup list they're going to try to ramp him up see if he's ready to go for week one so who knows maybe it's it's both of these guys ready for week one so let me get uh Graham you're our guest your initial take Delvin Cook signs the the world out there in fantasy land immediately thinks, well, Brees Hall's done. I don't want anything to do with him. Just draft him in the eighth round now. Delvin Cook, he's going to take over the backfield because Delvin Cook's not as washed, I think, as people think. You know, still eight touchdowns last year, over a 1,000 yards rushing. This is a situation where maybe Aaron Rodgers was in the Jets' brass here and saying, 
I want this guy in here. I want to make a run at a Super Bowl, and and I want a piece of Delvin Cook. That's why I gave you back 35 mil. So initial thoughts on Delvin Cook landing in Gang Green. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it seems like we have to read the tea leaves doubly. It's almost like, you know, on the, on the one hand, Brees gets removed from the PUP. All the Jets beat writers have been saying that, like, you know, he hasn't had a setback, which it's clear now he hasn't. Uh, but yeah, Dalvin Cook was still really, really good last year. Like maybe not top eight, maybe not top 10 like he was in previous years, but he was still 12th among all running backs in yards after contact per carry. He was tied for 14th. Mistock was forced. He, you know, he didn't, he usually was a very explosive runner uh, in his past, not as much last year, but still strong, you know, 20th and explosive gains. That's gains of 10 or more yards. Uh, you know, I think just like logically speaking, just thinking through this move, like Brees Hall just turned. 22 years old four months ago like he still has two years left on his rookie deal and then he'll enter the franchise tag purgatory that all these running backs are entering uh after their fourth year you know more than likely Brees will get franchise tagged and you know the jets will have team control for at least three more years dalvin cook's on a one-year deal uh I, we haven't seen any contract details yet i don't think but i mean I, i'm gonna assume that 8.6 million is very incentive laden all of that being said i mean breeze is like a huge or excuse me cook is a huge threat to to breeze on early downs i think the big question i have here is what this rotation looks like and i i think you know the big question is in the red zone I, you know dalvin cook last year 60 percent of the vikings inside five carries inside 10 carries uh top five among running backs i think you know if cook is going to be eating into Brees's touchdown equity he's going to be eating into the early down stuff like you know i've i've had Brees a little lower in my rankings and i've been taking all the receivers in that like third round bucket ahead of him i bumped him into like the late fourth early fifth round now uh I, i've been out on Brees. i've been a little skeptical on Brees. the upside is amazing for him i mean the talent is not not in question here but i think we've got to just add up like all these like all, you know, obviously the cook move and then coming off the injury. I think we got to add all this up and it's, you know, Brees obviously has a really, really high ceiling. And I think the floor is, is pretty low now. Joe Brees hall with what is being reported $7 million guaranteed. That makes him on annual average salary, a top 10 running back in terms of contract for this year over at fantasy points. It, it, this is probably updated uh, or not yet updated with, to reflect the news. We've got Brees hall, as our RB11. With this news, do you think that shifts downward? Do you still want to draft him at the end of the third round? Uh, and where would you draft Delvin Cook now? So I, there's a lot of on, uh, layers to this onion that we kind of have to peel away. My first read on this was Dalvin Cook going to be the starting running back for the yeah, New York Jets at the beginning of the year. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be starting in November or December. And I think just the flat ranking of Brees Hall right now doesn't really tell the whole story because I think it's entirely possible Brees Hall is like RB37 in September and October and like RB6 in November and December. Yeah. I think that is within the range of outcomes. So it's really hard to get a full read on this. I think this is honestly just a good bit of business by the New York Jets. Like, they you don't go out and get Aaron Rodgers unless you think you're a contending team. So that's what they did. They went out and got Aaron Rodgers. 
And then Brees Hall, their star running back, who would have been a top five running back in fantasy had he not gotten hurt last year. He ends up getting hurt in October last year. So now they're like, well, we we think Brees Hall is explosive and we think he's great, but we're not 100% sure how healthy he's going to be. I think they're going to bring Brees Hall into this thing slowly. So what I kind of view Brees Hall as, depending on where his ADP falls, I'm not drafting him in the third round. That's That is just not going to happen. Depending on where his ADP falls, I could be talking myself into drafting him, maybe if he's a fifth or sixth round pick. But I think more than likely is he might end up being kind of a buy low guy in season. Oh my God, Dalvin Cook got 13 carries and three targets in week one. And Brees Hall saw five carries. I can't believe this. I think it is entirely within the range of outcomes that Brees Hall is a league winning type of running back but doesn't become so until the second half of the season. I think that is absolutely something that could be in the cards. And we've seen this, guys. We've seen a, a guy like who Rashad Penny, who was injured before, you know, who's coming off an injury, be a league winner in December. He was available off the waiver wire. I don't know if Brees Hall is going to be that, but I really do think that Dalvin Cook's going to come in here. He is going to start right away. Brees Hall is going to be somebody in, in Dynasty I'm buying low right now. I think he's going to be a midseason buy low kind of guy. I don't know if I want to draft Dalvin Cook. Like, yeah. Dalvin seems like somebody who is going to be drafted earlier than I'm willing to take him. And But I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if Dalvin Cook's a top 15 running back in September and October. I just don't know how long that's going to last. I think this is a pretty volatile situation right now. Yeah, uh, the way I look at it is uh, everybody out there listening who's like a home league guy and you're drafting with your buddies on Labor Day weekend, you're going to see Delvin Cook just rocket up the board because the casual fan is like, oh, my God, Delvin Cook, he's with the Jets. He's going to be the starting guy. Obviously, this Brees Hall kid's not ready because they only saw a few games of him last year. So I love what you're saying, Joe. Great buying opportunity for a savvy player after the first three, four weeks of the season. Hey, here's my wide receiver three that's had a few, you know, pop off games how about you throw me back Brees hall and then we'll rock and roll for the rest of the season so interesting to watch there so again if you're drinking tonight pour one out for your boy drake who drafted Brees hall in the third round at the king's classic but don't worry i'll survive i got rashad white a little later in the draft also in the news yesterday guys ezekiel elliott signs with the new england patriots this a lesser money deal but something we assumed would happen new england was going to add another back they wanted to take the load off from Andre Stevenson. They lost Damian Harris, who was a very good, very capable goal line back. He's now in Buffalo. In comes Ezekiel Elliott. I believe last year he had a career worst yards per carry, but he is good around the goal line. This is mm -hmm. a guy who, without question, could get double-digit touchdowns for the New England Patriots, just like he did last year you know, with the Cowboys. So, Graham, let's go to you. Does it move the needle at all for you? On Ramondre Stevenson, we have him at RB9. He's got an ADP of around 27. Uh, that's a, you know, that's a really solid pick. If you're going to get Ramondre Stevenson, you're kind of planting your flag saying maybe he's your RB1 if you grab a couple receivers. Does Zeke scare you at all? Not really. I, it's the complete opposite of Dalvin Cook. Like on the one hand, like Dalvin Cook was still really good on early downs last year. Like Zeke, Zeke wasn't. I'm sorry, sorry, Patriots fans. But uh, like in in general, I mean, Ramondre is still going to be playing on passing downs. Ramondre is also very, very good at pass protection. Um, I think the, the big question is, you, you know, you kind of nailed it. Is like how much is in, is Zeke involved near the goal line? And to me, it just seems like 
you know, Bill Belichick finally turned on the film for Pierre Strong and was like, okay, you know, let's stop messing around. Let's get an actually decent second running back to, uh, you know, to back up Ramondre. And, and by the way, not for nothing. I mean, all we've ever heard from inside the Patriots building from either, you know, beats that we talk to or just people that we we've heard from inside the building that are connected is they, they all love, like they love Ramondre. Uh, so unless you had like, I, I don't know, unless you had Pierre Strong projected for like 120 touches or, I, you know, you really liked Kevin Harris. Like to me, I don't think your Ramondre projection should change at all. Uh, if it once they sign Zeke, I think if anything, it just kind of hurts Ramondre's ceiling a little like the touchdown ceiling. But in general, I mean, as long as Ramondre is still, you know, bell cow and especially bell cow on passing downs. I think he'll be just fine, but it definitely limits his like ceiling from being like 75, 80% snap share player to like 65, 70. Okay. Joe, what do you think about Zeke Elliott here? Capable receiver. We know he's good mm -hmm. in pass pro and, and that'll always get you on the field, especially with veteran coaches. Zeke the last two years has 22 rushing touchdowns. That scares the crap yeah. out of me. If I'm drafting Ramondre Stevenson. Well, the Patriots had a touchdown problem in general last year. You know, Ramondre <laughs> had five. Damian Harris had three. Damian Harris had, I think, 16 two years ago. Um, but here's the thing about the Zeke thing that doesn't really freak me out. First and foremost, this is not binary. There are going to be occasions when Ezekiel Elliott is going to fall ass backward into the end zone for a half a yard after Ramondre did the work getting them 40 yards on a 70-yard drive. That is going to happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But what evidence is there right now, guys, that Zeke Elliott's better than Damian Harris? I don't think there's any evidence. No. Yeah. No. Zeke there's is none. historically, Drake, a good receiver. You mentioned he's a capable receiver. But he was washed in that department last year. From our Fantasy Points data, he was 84th of 89 running backs with 50 or more routes run with 0.48 yards per route run, okay? The, and, and the guys at the bottom were like Jakob Johnson, who's a fullback. So that just shows you he was sub-fullback level at re receiving last year. Damian Harris more than doubled him in yards per route run last year. Ramondre almost tripled him in yards per route run last year. And that wasn't just a Cowboys thing, right? Like last year, the Eagles running backs were pretty low in yards per route run, but that's kind of because Jalen Hurst just never checked the ball down. But Tony Pollard was near the top of that board in yards per route run. So it was, it was a Zeke thing, not necessarily a Cowboys thing. So, yes, is he going to play on some third downs and in short yardage? Of course he will. But look, Damian Harris had, what, 400-some rushing yards. He had over 100 carries last year. I think he had the same number of catches as Zeke and was twice as efficient as a receiver as Zeke. Where is the evidence? that Zeke is better than Damian Harris. And Ramondre still ran for 1,000 yards and caught 60 balls last year. Do I think Zeke is going to vulture him? Absolutely. Do I think this is anywhere nearly as big a problem for Ramondre as Dalvin Cook is for Brees Hall? Not even close. So if there is any dip on Ramondre, I'm buying the dip because I don't think Zeke Elliott is going to be a, a ruining asset here. So let, let, let me throw this anecdote out to you guys. Texting my Patriots guy yesterday, and, and I'm going to give you the exact exchange that I had with him. Zeke thoughts, I started. He responds, needed. He'll vulture touchdowns and play some on third down, but still love Mondre. He's their guy. And I responded to that. They love, love Mondre. And his <laughs> response was, yeah, Bill would kiss him.
Wow. <laughs> they love Ramondre Stevenson in, in New England. And this is Jessica. I think this is a depth signing. Yes, Zeke will be annoying at points. He absolutely will be annoying at points. I'm not trying to say he won't. But this is simply a guy in Ramondre Stevenson who's too good and too versatile for them to take off the field. They had a touchdown problem last year. But remember that Matt Patricia was running that offense. Oh, God. They have a professional offensive coordinator this year. I think Ramondre Stevenson is still a top 10 running back for me. And, and we have him ranked as such at fantasy points. I, I typically start my text conversation with, sup, you up. And that's around <laughs> you know, like 1 a.m. But uh, apparently that's how Belichick I have not uh, sent that text in a long time, Drake. <laughs> but, by the way, I mean, it says a lot that Bill would want to kiss Ramondre. I could not see Bill kissing anybody. Like, <laughs> literally the least affectionate guy ever. So, I mean, this speaks volumes that Ramondre is his boy. Hey, if you guys want to kiss anyone, kiss me for saving you money on your draft board. Because, folks, you're listening to this pod right now. You're into fantasy football. You know you got a draft coming up in a few weeks, and then you're like, oh, my God, we don't have a draft board. Like, we got to do something here. We got you covered here at Fantasy Points. Why don't you go over and see our boys at fjfantasy.com. They're a premier draft board site. I use them for my own home league that I'm the commissioner of, and I'm going to save you 10% off your order right now with code FANTASYPTS10. Again, FANTASYPTS10, 10% off your order. They've got a draft board. You're getting old. You're like me. I turn 43 next week. We can't have these little tiny stickers up there. Guys in the back of the garage can't see it. They've got jumbo stickers, mammoth draft boards. Trust me, your friends and family are going to love it. And thank you for finally getting a practical draft board that they can see. Go over to fjfantasy.com. Use code FANTASYPTS10. Save some money. Have a great draft. And then uh, tweet at us how your draft went. Uh, I want to see it. And uh, I want to see pictures of those draft boards from fjfantasy.com. All right, Graham, the reason we have you here is we want to kind of run through the first week of the fantasy or the preseason for the NFL. There's some teams we learn some stuff about, some things we don't. So we don't have to, like, you know, go crazy about what we saw from the Patriots since we're just talking about them. They didn't really do anything. Their offensive line was all backups. They didn't do crap. We saw Tyquan Thornton out there. But they played the Houston Texans, and there were a few interesting nuggets that came out uh, from the Texans, uh, Damian Pierce didn't play. Devin Singletary started. He got some run. I think Devin Singletary is a sneaky backup that you can grab later in your draft. Uh, you know, CJ Stroud put a little bit, didn't look great at all. But I think maybe the name to know from here is a little player that Joe Dolan didn't text me, sup you up. He goes, sup Drake. Here's a guy we need to take in our dynasty uh, draft. And his name is Tank Dell. And maybe some of you folks out there don't know about Tank Dell, but he's an electric player from the Houston Cougars. Uh, he has a little relationship, by the way, with C.J. Stroud. They were talking before the draft. Those two have a connection now. And, you know, he put 11 snaps with C.J. Stroud, Graham. And he looked pretty good out there. And a team that needs playmakers, let's be honest. Yeah, they do. I mean, credit the Texans for kind of wisely and very cheaply completely remaking this receiver room, obviously getting John Mechie back, uh, you know, Basically, he's a rookie this year. Will be nice too. But yeah, Tank Dell and Nico Collins were the top two receivers for Stroud. Again, Stroud only played twelve snaps, but yeah, Dell had eleven. Nico Collins was at nine. Dalton Schultz was at nine. Then John Mechie, John Mechie played seven. Mechie's a slot only receiver right now. Actually, I bumped down Mechie a little bit in my ranks, especially since Tank Dell's coming on. But yeah, man, credit credit you guys for buying low on Dell and in, in dynasty leagues. I mean the 
you know, the knock against him is very clear. I mean, he's, he's tiny, he's five, eight, one sixty-five, but like, you know, there are very few receivers with this type of production profile, especially over two years, you know, get it, you know, not the best comp- competition level, but Tank Dell has been a monster producer. He's going to be on the field. You know, the big question for me, I guess, is, you know, what this looks like when Robert Woods is healthy. Uh, there's a very real chance like this is like a just pretty gross rotation with like Nico Collins playing every down and then they rotate Dell and Woods and Mechie. That's kind of what it's trending towards right now. And then I guess we'll see if one of those guys pops. But, uh, you know, for season long leagues, I haven't really been taking many Texans receivers, but for best ball, I mean, you know, I, I think all of these guys are still relatively cheap. Dell is really going to start coming up in price. Uh, I mean, he was free 18th round pick, you know, all off season. He's going to start coming up into the 16th, 17th round. So if you've been drafting tank Dell, you're going to have to take him a little bit higher now. Uh, but all of that being said, I've, I've not been super high on Texas receivers for the most part. Joe, anything you uh, saw from this game or you just want to take a victory lap on tank Dell? <sighs> I mean, I'm not going to take a victory lap on Tank Dell. He's tiny. I mean, we just took him in the dynasty draft because he was falling to like the last round. But there's a there's electric um, ability to Tank Dell. The problem is Drake. Our dynasty team isn't a best ball dynasty. When am I going to feel? Mm. Um, when am I going to feel comfortable uh, starting this guy in a redraft lineup? Maybe he yeah. maybe he breaks the the mold. But um, right now, I'm still not getting excited about one preseason game. That being said, mm-hmm. he does give the Texans something that they don't that they need, and that's speed. We can skip over the Patriots. They didn't do anything. They didn't play anybody. Let's go on to this Vikings-Seahawks game where the Vikings rested a ton of guys, but they did let us take a peek at Jordan Addison. Ty Chandler started at running back. Those are two guys late in drafts that people are, are taking shots on. Addison obviously had a, a nice college career, moved around a little bit, won the Bolitnikoff Award. So, I don't know. I mean, he's going to play. Is, is he the second? Is he the third? I mean, you could say, is he the fourth, technically, with TJ Hawkinson there? Yeah. Graham, what do you think of Addison? Are people kind of a little too high on him right now uh, with this offense uh, because of KJ Osborne and Hawkinson? And, oh, by the way, Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in football. This is why doing projections is so crucial, right? Like I love Jordan Addison as a prospect. I think he's going to give the Vikings some versatility that they did not have last year. Like Adam Thielen was just not the same player. Uh, Addison can line up inside. He can line up outside. And that's going to give Jefferson more versatility too. Like Jefferson can line up obviously wherever the hell he wants and when. Uh, but you mentioned it. I, I think Addison is a is a clear three here behind Jefferson and Hawk. And unless there's an injury, like I don't see Addison having much higher ceiling for than like a 20 to 22 percent target share and that would even be pushing it like hot, like low 20s would be pushing it for addison uh, i've been kind of out but the dude's a baller like stone cold baller i think he'll start in two wide receiver sets maybe not week one maybe not week two but addison will definitely be in two wide receiver sets uh ty chandler looked really really good i mean he, he's got four four wheels uh you know i didn't i didn't think he was a fantastic prospect coming out of unc but a very very good zone runner uh, displayed soft hands, quick feet. Uh, I think the Vikings have got to be pretty thrilled with what Chandler showed them. And, you know, we'll see if they sign Kareem Hunt. You know, all these running back moves we're talking about, it's kind of cleared up the whole free agent market. Really, we're just waiting on Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette. Uh, Fournette. Now, Hunt did visit with the Vikings last week, one of three or four visits he took. So we'll see if he signs. Uh, but for right now, I think Madison's job is is safe. But, you know, Chandler looked good. And if they bring in Kareem Hunt, uh, it's definitely some some increased competition. I've been kind of out on – not kind of out. I'm definitely out on Madison. Um, it's not really about Ty Chandler. It's really just about 
what I think this offense is now. And I think it's extremely pass heavy. And again, Addison's addition will only bolster the Vikings pass heavy ways. I, I got to tell you guys, I was watching the quarterback show last night on Netflix with my son. But if you guys haven't seen it yet, go out of your way. It's a very good show. They follow around uh, Mariota, Mahomes, and Kirk Cousins. I have said for a long time on this show and anywhere else I talk, I, the Vikings offensive line is not good. I don't care what their PFF ranking is. Go, oh, they're actually like a top five line. No, they're not. If you look at what Dalvin Cook did last year and how he struggled and how he was getting hit behind the line left and right, Kirk Cousins got murdered behind this line. There's a whole episode about it. The entire season, he's just getting battered and bruised. I'm nervous that Kirk Cousins not going to make it through this season with this offensive line, guys. Like, it scared the bejesus out of me, but that's neither here nor there. Joe, let me ask you about the Seattle offense. We got our look at Zach Charbonnet. He apparently has recovered. You know, he was blessed from the heavens uh, with his injury that w- kept him out indefinitely. Hey, look, now he's back. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, we saw him play, played exclusively in the slot where I think he's going to play throughout the regular season. Uh, JSN, I mean, there's people I saw this weekend, they're taking him over Tyler Lockett. Has that changed for you at all? Or are you still Lockett over um, JSN? And, and any thoughts on Charbonnet versus Ken Walker? I absolutely am Lockett over JSN um, uh, until until proven otherwise. Now, here's the thing about Walker. Um the thing, the concern I have with Walker, and I love Ken Walker. I tr- I traded up for him in my in one of my FFPC dynasty leagues last year. Um, and the thing that I worry about with Ken Walker, who was ph- phenomenal by the way last year, is his style. And his style is very Barry Sanders like, very Saquon Barkley like. I am going to improvise, and I'm going to try to find the forty yard run. And unfortunately, that's going to mean at times I'm going to run into a brick wall or I'm going to run myself into into a tackle where I really should not have been tackled. And that's something that I think Ken Walker, it's his style. Now, look, Kenneth Walker last year, this is per fantasy points data. After Rashad Penny got hurt, Kenny Walker had the third most rush attempts, the fifth most yards of any running back. And he also consistently delivered explosive plays. He gained 15 or more yards on 7.3% of his carries. Um, Unfortunately, stuffed runs, which is what we define at Fantasy Points Data as rush attempts not resulting in a first down or touchdown that failed to gain at least four yards on first down or three yards on any other down, Walker was the highest rated stuffed player uh, of any running back from week six on with 100 more attempts at 54.6%. And that also came with the second worst success rate on man and gap concepts. He's a boomer bus runner. Um, and a lot of times last year, he was boom. Now, the question I have, if Pete Carroll now has a viable grinder in Zach Charbonnet, does he get frustrated with Ken Walker the first time Ken Walker bounces a run outside and gains one yard when he could have gained five just by hitting it up inside the blocked scheme. And is Ken Walker the kind of running back, and I think he is, who needs that 10 carries to kind of get his feel for the speed of the game? If he doesn't get those carries, he's going to be a massive fantasy bust. Oh, by the way, he's dealing with a groin injury right now. He's returned to practice. So there are a lot of, like, I love Ken Walker. This is the kind of running back who I think can be a game changer. We saw him be a game changer for fantasy, but the style doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, fit what 
Pete Carroll wants from his running backs, which is surprising because they took him in the second round. But if they view Charbonnet as somebody who's going to handle 15 carries and he's going to get 60 yards when there's 60 yards blocked, that could be a problem for Ken Walker. Hmm. Yeah, the problem is if you give both of them 15 carries, I think Ken Walker gets 110 yards as opposed to Charbonnet 60. There's just things that Ken Walker can do that Charbonnet can't. I've been saying Ken Walker's like a true three outcome running back. You know, we've all heard of true three outcome hitters in baseball, like they either walk, they strike out, or they hit a home run. That's Ken Walker. Like he's either going to strike out, he's going to, you know, have zero yards, like you're saying, on a stuffed run. He's going to have, you know, a walk three or four yards, or he's going to hit a home run. And he hits, he hits home runs about as good as anybody in the nfl uh, i've been hammering ken walker personally I, I think he's a fantastic buy especially in the fifth sixth round he's starting to slip into the sixth round in ppr leagues which is insane to me um you know i just want to buy good backs on good offenses at the end of the day and i mm -hmm. think ken walker does things that that zach charbonnet can't do the Giancarlo stanton of fantasy football oh god he's not that bad brian he is not <laughs> that bad good lord I'm a Yankees fan and I really don't follow baseball. So I only know about nine players and they all play for the Yankees. So that's it, the depth of my knowledge right there. If we ever spin off into a fantasy baseball site also, I'll be. He's uh, like, uh, Ken Walker's done. like Max. He, Ken Walker's like Max Muncy. He's like, you know, he's going to hit 200. He's going to draw a bunch of walks and he's going to hit nothing but dingers. There you go. Somebody who I think can hit a lot of dingers out here is a guy like Darius Slayton for the New York football giants. Darius Slayton and Paris Campbell got the night off, which you mm. wrote in your article kind of shows us that this might be the wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Darius Slayton perennially forgotten about in, in fantasy yeah. football circles. Slayton and Campbell are coming off the board as like wide receiver 81 and 84 on underdog. They're damn near pick 200. Nobody's drafting these guys, folks. And these might be two starting wide receivers. I remember all through camp, we're hearing so many practice reports about Paris Campbell. They're giving him jet sweeps. They're playing him in the slot. They're moving him all around. They want to use him as a weapon, uh, not just as, hey, you're a slot receiver who's going to be hurt by week four. So that was really interesting to me. What's your read on these two guys, uh, Graham? And should we in the fantasy community be really you know, getting on the ball with these two and, and getting them as a part of our draft plan late because – this Giants offense isn't going to be bad with Brian Dayball and Dana Jones, Darren Waller. Yeah, Darius Slayton, I think, is, um, you know, all throughout last year and then all throughout the summer, he's just been underrated. There's a point in time, guys, where Slayton was the wide receiver five off the board by ADP on this team. It's just absolutely insane. I've had him at wide receiver one all offseason. He got paid. Uh, like their clear outside boundary receiver, Campbell and Hodgins were both on one-year deals. And this is all to say – you know, preseason, we're dealing with 15 snaps here, guys. Like, it's like 15 snaps here, 20 snaps there. Like, yeah. every team's a little different. Every guy's a little banged up, too. So, like, please, again, like, as you're listening to this podcast, as you read through my article, like, take all of this with a grain of salt. Like, every team's a little different. Coaches do things differently. Every team does things differently. But in general, like, I think coaches kind of tell us what they think about players. And I think that was pretty noteworthy to me that, you know, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, and Isaiah Hodgins are all healthy right now, including Jalen Hyatt. They're all healthy. And Hodgins played in week one. Like, he played 12 snaps with the second team. Um, you know, to me, I think Slayton is the clear X receiver. I think Campbell will be their starting slot. And then they'll mix in Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson whenever he gets healthy out of the slot. 
Uh, but to me, I mean, I think it's just very clear, like Darren Waller is really the only Giants viable pass catcher here. He is starting to really scream up boards. Uh, Joe, I, you know, I don't know if you've done any drafts in the last like, couple of days, but Waller, man, he's starting to go in like the mid 60s. Yeah, I started getting my my shares of Waller here um, a, a little bit more recently. Uh, Scott and John Hansen kind of talked me into it. But I'll tell you, I'm looking at my exposure as soon as on Underdog Fantasy, as soon as Drake raised the point of Darius Slayton. Uh, he's my second most drafted wide receiver in both, oh, in both dollars well and uh, percentage. The only receiver I've drafted more is John Mechie, and that was just a pure opportunity thing. But I, Darius Slayton's been one of the most horrendously mispriced players all offseason. And I again, uh, it's always easier to say, oh, he's a much better best ball player. Yeah, everybody's a better best ball player because you don't yeah. have to decide, you don't have to decide when to start them. But I really do believe Darius Slayton is a better best ball receiver. But I mean, if he's available in like the 15th round of my redraft, or he's going to be a $1 player in our auction league, like I'll I'll have Darius Slayton. Like he is legitimately going to be their top outside receiver. And this is somebody who you know, I don't want to get too anecdotal here, but I'm going to get anecdotal. Um, he was somebody who was doghoused by multiple coaching staffs and multiple front offices and literally played his way out of that and into a, a contract. Like, I, I think, like, for a guy like Brian Dable, who's trying to establish culture with the Giants, I think that's the kind of guy that Brian Dable wants to reward. Hey, guys, look, we had Slayton buried. Like, this guy almost didn't even make the roster, and then by the end of the year, he was our top outside receiver. That's the kind of guy who I think, you know, Daniel Jones has trust with, Dable has trust with. And again, what are you investing into him? Nothing. There's no no investment here whatsoever. And yes, do I think Darren Waller is going to be their top receiver? Of course I do. Darren Waller's also gotten hurt each of the last two years pretty badly. So somebody's going to have to catch passes outside of Darren Waller. Why is it not going to be Darius Slayton? And you know, I just trust Darius Slayton more than I trust Paris Campbell at this point, quite frankly. Yeah, I was picking up and starting Darius Slayton last year in the Kings Classic, where I, I lost to some guy uh, in the finals whose name will not be mentioned. Oh, um, I'm Baltimore be... now? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, he's very, very uh, cheap and uh, very, very productive. On the other side for the Detroit Lions, Joe, you've been all over Jameer Gibbs uh, since literally the second he was drafted. He didn't really do anything. He had six carries for 19 yards. This is what I like, though. Your casual home league guy that you're drafting against probably sees this thing like, eh, David Montgomery didn't play. This Gibbs guy stinks. He played with the backup offensive line for the Lions. And the Lions' first-string offensive line is very good. They might be top yeah. three in all of the NFL. So this might suppress his value to some of the casual folks out there listening. So I think maybe there's a, a bounce-back buying opportunity. I hope Gibbs doesn't do anything in preseason for the rest of these two weeks oh yeah, no he... I... go ahead joe yeah i nothing that jameer gibbs does in preseason is going to yeah. get me off of the jameer gibbs train did you see the video of the lions when they drafted him mm -hmm. it was like a party in there dude they were <laughs> they were had their assholes clenched so tight when they <laughs> traded down with arizona because like is he still gonna be there is he still gonna be there and and they were so excited when Jameer Gibbs fell to them that it, it looked like the biggest relief in the in the world because Brad Holmes is probably sitting there like, oh, my God, they're going to kill me if I made this deal and Jameer Gibbs isn't there. Again, anecdotal, but I think they have a massive plan for this kid, and they're just trying to get 
they're just trying to get his NFL legs under him. I'm Gibbs, not going to read into, into the fact that he's dude, playing with second string offense. Yeah, I'm not reading it at all. Uh, Gibbs has a huge ceiling. The stat I keep coming back to is I, I looked this up. You know, there's been since uh, I think it was 2010, there's been only 10 running backs taken in the top 15 overall picks. Nine of those 10 had an RB1 top 12 season within their first two years. The only guy who didn't was CJ Spiller. I mean, that's the ceiling for Gibbs. Like he has an immediate top 12 ceiling. Uh, I've got him ranked at RB11. Uh, you know, David Montgomery is definitely going to steal, you know, some touchdown work for sure. But like Gibbs could absolutely get to 85, 90 targets within this offense. I mean, DeAndre Swift was at 75, 80 every single year, and Gibbs is a better receiver than him. And yeah, I noted in the article that like Gibbs. To me, when I was watching him in Alabama, again, I didn't do yards creative this year, but I watched all these guys. You know, Gibbs didn't have a ton of pass pro reps, but like, like always, all college running backs pretty much by and large struggle in pass pro. But like, he looked so, so solid. It's very clear to me that he's been working on it uh, in practice. And, you know, coaches and, you know, coaches especially love when running backs are great in pass pro. I mean, DeAndre Swift always struggled there. Uh, I think the coaches are going to immediately trust him with like a massive, massive passing down, you know, workload. And then anything he, he gets on the ground that, you know, David Montgomery doesn't get is just gravy. So to me, yeah, I, I think Gibbs is at worst, like a back end RB one and the ceiling could go even higher. Sam Laporta got some work. There's a lot of buzz around him in fantasy circles that he's just going to be the pass catching, uh, you know, tight end for, this Lions offense that everyone seems to be pretty high on. You guys buying Sam Laporta? Would you ha- want him as your starting tight end, or you just maybe no. want to get him, put stash yeah. him on the bench, see what happens? Yeah, I've been lower on Laporta and Kincaid a little bit. My best ball, you know, I think they're definitely going to be near full time players. But yeah, again, I mean, I think Amon Ra is just going to get a thirty percent target share. They they finally have some pretty good receivers. You know, Reynolds be a full-time player. They'll get Jamison Williams back. You know, Laporte is a, a really good player, but I, I don't think we can project him for more, more than like 45, 50 receptions, in which case, like he's he's just a tight end too. He's a good best ball play though. We'll try to rip through some of these games a little quicker here, make sure we get through uh, most all the, the high points. Do you guys take anything from the Steelers game against the Buccaneers? Kenny Pickett starts, finds George Pickens for a touchdown. Deontay. Over the middle, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't I didn't think George Pickens route. was. I didn't think George Pickens was allowed to run in between the hashes. I thought he had to stay just completely outside the hashes at all times. But yeah. the restraining order against him from uh, the hash mark. <laughs> the Steelers are so hard for me to get a general grip on because they are a team where I see almost everything both ways. Right, like the Najee Harris thing, for instance. I understand that he was less efficient than Jalen Warren last year. Like I and and he comes out. Jalen Warren has three carries and Najee doesn't get a carry and all that stuff with the first team offense. On the other hand, I view Najee as somebody who's touched the ball more than any running back on planet earth the last two years. And he was playing hurt in the first half of last year. And now the offensive line's better. Deontay Johnson is a target hound, but he can't score and he always drops passes. But like, the fact that he gets 150 targets is meaningful. George Pickens, oh, he can't separate on the outside. Yeah, because Matt Cannon has him just running wind sprints all the time. Like, <laughs> Kenny Pickett, oh, he only threw seven touchdowns last year. Yeah, but the offense was was bad. The problem is Matt Canada's back. Like, the Steelers are such a hard team for me to get a read on. Like, in the, like I think if the – I feel like personally if there was a creative offensive coordinator there, this actually would be a pretty good offense. And – 
I, 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 have, I struggle so much. Like, because Graham, as you might expect on our staff, we have people who love Najee at cost. Scott hates Najee at cost. Yeah. But it's hard for me to shake the fact that Mike Tomlin always uses bell cows. I know. And he's been the bell cow of bell cow the last couple of years. This team is so strange for me to get to get a read on. Yeah, it, it's definitely one of the toughest teams to project for sure. And I, for what it's worth, I don't put any stock in Warren getting three carries and Harris getting zero. Like it, it, you know, like I always say, every team does things a little differently in the preseason. Again, we only got one drive. Uh, it's possible they just wanted Najee to shake off the rust on a couple plays and then get Warren a couple runs and then get the hell out of there. But um, Joe, I mentioned this to you in group chat. Like Tony po- or uh, Jalen Warren kind of strikes me as like a Tony Pollard type, where it's like we know this dude is extremely talented. Like we know if he were to get the 250 touch role, like he could be a back end RB one for fantasy. It's just mm-hmm. the coaches love this clear early down workhorse type guy and Najee. You know, I think Scott's point is the right one. It's like, this is probably a 65-35 backfield in favor of Najee. And then it comes down to, what do you think about the Steelers? You know, do you think they're going to have a much, much better offense? In which case, a 65-35 split in favor of Najee on a pretty good offense could be okay. It could be seven, eight touchdowns. But on a bad offense again, like, this could get pretty gross pretty quickly. Uh, I've got Travis Etienne ahead of Najee. Um, I've been... I've had Najee and Brees Hall back to back all summer, uh, which looks good now. I'm I'm actually considering taking Brees ahead of Najee now too. Uh, Jets' offense is going to be better. Uh, I think at the end of the day, like with some of these splits, you know, we're trying to make, you know, we're splitting hairs between players. I think at the end of the day, like if you just want to go into your draft and be like, look, I I think Najee's the workhorse. I think Brees is the workhorse, but I feel better about the Jets' offense. Like, just go that way. Like use use offense the best offense is the kind of delineating point. And it's like, okay, I think Najee Harris is, you know, maybe has Bell Cow in his range of outcomes, but man, I'm still not sold on the Steelers. Like, take Ken Walker, take Aaron Jones, take the guys who are on possibly better offenses. Cause I'm with you, Joe. I'm still not sold on the Steelers offense. Looking at the Buccaneers, not much to report here. They're still trying to find their starting quarterback. Eileen, that's gonna be Baker Mayfield, but Baker. Yeah, it'll be Kyle Baker. Trask yeah. may get a start or two, but he sucks. Uh, they're trying to find their backup running back. We'll see how that plays out. My boy, Sean Tucker from Syracuse, got some work. Um, I always like putting a chip on him. He's talented. Let's go to the Packers Bengals. So the Packers here, they had Jordan Love play. He played two two drives, which is fantastic. Jo- Christian Watson's out there. But the guy I want to ask you about, uh, Graham, is Luke Musgrave, the tight end, who looks yeah. like he is the starting tight end for the Green Bay Packers. They t- drafted two this year in the NFL draft. But Musgrave is a guy who's going to be on the field. They're going to get him out and running routes. And on a team with some really young playmakers on the outside, you know, Dobbs and Jaden Reed, who's a slot player, maybe maybe we can find something late with Luke Musgrave. Oh, baby. Yeah, I'm going to victory lap here for a second because I've had Luke Musgrave on my <laughs> short list for tight end targets in best ball since June. Uh, dude's an athletic freak. I think he's he should be going – a lot closer to Dalton Kincaid and Sam Laporta. Like Kincaid's now going in like the 120s. Laporta will go in like the 140s to 150s, and Musgrave is free still. Uh, I think he, sh- I think Musgrave should be going around Laporta, uh, the 150s, 160s. You know, college production was not there. Uh, he dealt with a ton of injuries, but I mean, if you look just a- athletically speaking, the dude is an absolute freak. And then you mention it, like they have nothing else. Robert Tunyon's gone, like. 
you know, they'll play the, 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 their other guy they drafted Kraft, Tucker Kraft, but you know, he's not in the same universe as Musgrave and he's just blown up. Musgrave has just blown up camp. Um, I think, I think Musgrave, Laporta, Kincaid and Michael Mayer all have like an equal chance. Maybe Mayer has like a slightly lower chance than these four guys. They all have an equal chance of like finishing as the rookie tight end one. And not only like being pretty good as a productive rookie, like I think this entire rookie tight end class is going to completely break the mold of what we think of rookie tight ends. Like historically speaking in fantasy, we've all been saying, now, you can never draft rookie tight ends. They take forever to develop. We're just seeing the curve across all positions get shorter and shorter as you know college football just becomes more and more like the football minor leagues. And to me, I think this whole rookie class is just so poised for like not only like full-time roles, but like actually fantasy viable roles. And we'll be using these guys as tight end streamers. Uh, but yeah, if you're doing best ball drafts for the next 30 days as we roll into week one, like Luke Musgrave should absolutely be one of your targets as like a tight end three uh in the 17th 18th round he's gonna start coming up in price but yeah i'm i'm still weighing on musgrave Bengals didn't play anybody who cares let's move on atlanta miami was a pretty forgetful game also falcons didn't play anybody the only thing i want to hit from you guys and joe i'll start with you with the dolphins with you know delvin cook not signing there with zeke not signing there what's your thoughts on this backfield with mostert with um you know, Devin A. Chain, the rookie with Jeff Wilson Jr., they've all got to be pretty happy today. Oh, yeah. And the, the question now becomes is which one of these guys pops off for, for redraft. Devin A. Chain is small. Um, he's very explosive, but he's small. Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson are basically free in drafts right now. I mean, in best, in best ball, they're not 100% free, but they're like 13, 14th round picks. I haven't really been drafting a ton of these guys because I feared the Dalvin Cook thing, and now I'm kicking myself or not because it feels like their ADPs might rise by a round or so. Um, but it's still going to be a committee. Miami has employed a committee for years. You know, Mike McDaniel employed a committee effectively last year. What I think is it, this is going to be more of a weekly thing. Oh, Raheem Mostert's dinged up. Yeah. Let's play Jeff Wilson. Exactly. Devon A. Chain's dinged up. Let's play Raheem Mostert. And I think it's going to be one of those situations where you have guys who are hopping from fantasy roster to fantasy roster this season. Um, so I think it's going to be a situation, you know, like you, you've seen these guys. Normally it's the, the receivers who catch four passes for 55 yards every week. Like, oh, I need that guy on my roster, like the Tyler Boyds of the world. And then he's always the first guy that your team drops after you use him for somebody with more upside. I almost feel like the Dolphins running backs are going to be like that. Oh, Raheem Mostert, yep. he didn't do anything last week. I'm going to drop him. And then the next week, somebody picks him up and he runs for 100 yards. I, it's the same situation it was last year. Yeah, I feel the same exact way, Joe. It's the same exact thing as last year. You're going to be pulling your hair out with these guys. I, I will say, I, I did take Raheem Mostert uh, at the first pick 12th round at RB 48 in a recent draft, I'm completely fine with taking a shot on either him or Jeff Wilson at that price. Like RB 45, well, yeah, they're going to run RB50. the ball well. Yeah, they will run the ball well. And like just you mentioned, who is it? Yeah, exactly. There's going to be weeks where Jeff Wilson gets hurt and it's Raheem Mostert getting 17 carries. Yeah. I, the one guy I will say, I'm, I'm definitely not in on a chain. Like, okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like Scott out here, absolutely eviscerating the guy on YouTube. By the way, Scott's Devin A chain takedown. Just go listen to it. But yeah, I mean, A chain's 185. Uh, in the history of the NFL, like you look back, the guys that are sub 195 and have been successful is a very short list. It's like Warwick Dunn, 
and like a handful of other guys. So to me, like a chain is the clear guy who's not going to get the rushing carries. And by the way, a chain was playing behind miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed. And I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. The coaches make, you know, coaches make rookies earn it every single year, but a chain to me is, uh, I think a pretty, pretty risky bet in the 10th round. Like to me, I'm, I am bumping Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson way up. I, I had Mostert and Wilson ahead of ADP before the news that Cook uh, signed, and I, I've got Mostert and Wilson like now in the 130s in best ball. Um, there's going to be usable weeks here, but you know, I, Joe said it perfectly. In season long, you're probably going to be pulling your hair out, but yeah, I, I think it makes sense to to take shots on both these guys, Wilson and Mostert, as your your RB four, RB five, RB six type. The Commanders played the Cleveland Browns in a rainstorm. I know that because the rainstorm hit Canton, uh, where I was standing outside watching the game. So the story to take away from this is Eric Bieniemy is putting these pledges through hell week, basically, and they're all very upset about it, but they came out and looked pretty good. Sam Howell throwing the ball all over the place, nine of 12 for 77 yards. Jahan Dotson played every single snap of offensive football for the commanders, and they just kind of played their starting offense. They've got a new coordinator. They want to see what they have here. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a lot to take from this that we didn't kind of already know that Jahan Dotson is good at scoring touchdowns and they want to be a little more, uh, you know, dynamic through the air. But were you impressed at all, Graham, with the commanders? Yeah, Jahan Johnson's the new Chris Carter. All he does is score touchdowns. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, uh, look, I, I think we know what they are. Uh, they're going to be Dahan, Dotson and McLaurin will be their, their two guys and two wide receiver sets. Samuel play in slot. Um, we kind of know what they'll be with their backfield too. It'll be one, a one B committee. I, I did think it was a little notable that Robinson got three third down snaps, uh, excuse me, two third down snaps. Gibson got three. So, you know, maybe if Robinson mixes in a little more and passing down, so he'll have a little more upside than we think, but yeah, by and large, I think we kind of know what the commanders are. Um, you know, to me, the, the big question for, for B Rob is just how much he plays on passing downs compared to Gibson. And, um, you know, we'll see. I think Brian Robinson's an underrated receiver, um, but I think Robinson has some underrated upside here. I think he's a better player than people give him credit for. And um, there's some underrated upside here for sure. If he plays a little more in passing downs for the Browns, not a whole lot going on. We did see a little bit out of Elijah Moore. Joe, I know you're pretty high on him. Our entire um, staff is. Oh yeah. my God. I can't stop drafting this dude. It's like, I, it's scary how much Elijah Moore I have right now. Yeah. Our entire staff's high on him. Everybody's hyping him up. They're using Joe, him. He... I talked to Nathan, Nathan Zagura a couple months ago and he was Bro. already, by the way, Zagura was the one who tipped me off that they were going to use him in the backfield. Turns out they do in the preseason. Bro. So yeah, he might catch 90 balls. Like that is within his range of outcomes. Like absolutely in this offense, if he's going to get that, like, Outside, inside versatility, they're going to give him schemed usage. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to get a couple carries. Like, man, sky's the limit. And, like, Elijah, we've all been Elijah, Elijah Moore fans for, you know, since he came out of college. Mm -hmm. uh, but, man, this is uh, this is pretty sweet. Kind of shows, in a way, you wonder, what the hell are the Jets doing with this guy? You know? Like yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I think, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there are some things that, you know, Elijah didn't come through on. I mean, I, we really don't know. We don't know what happened inside of that building, but we, the, the thing is, Brian is just like the talent has never been in question with him. Oh, like, yeah. The dude was a baller at Ole Miss. I remember, I remember Scott sending me videos like before Elijah got drafted. He's like, bro, you got to watch this. AJ Brown thinks Elijah Moore is better than him. And like, that's, that's what the word in that Ole Miss building was that Elijah Moore is the best receiver to come out of there 
compared to AJ Brown, compared to John Mingo, uh, compared to DK Metcalf. So, yeah, man, that, I, uh, that's the other question. Why I'm the hell wasn't Ole Miss better? <laughs> well, their quarterback play was so bad. Oh my god! Matt Matt oh, Corral, by the way, is uh Lord. is struggling in Panthers camp. So there you go. Oh man, yeah, uh, it was brutal. Let's move on to the Broncos and the Cardinals. Uh, for the Broncos, you know, they we saw Jerry Judy in the touchdown pass. I'm sure the Guru was was doing backflips in his living room watching that. The what I want to bring up from this game though is Adam Troutman. Everyone's been drafting Greg Dulcich. But it was Adam Troutman who outsnapped Dulcich. And, you know, we saw Troutman. He played with, uh, you know, uh, geez, I, I just blanked on the coach's name in New Orleans yeah. there. Uh, Sean Payton. Sorry. Yeah. We saw him play with him and he brought him in. Are we maybe too high on Dulcich here and just totally have missed the mark on Troutman? Yeah, I uh, I wish I listened to John on this one. We were talking projections with uh with the boys a couple weeks ago, and John was like, "Yeah, I think Adam Troutman's going to play a lot more than people think." And I was like, "No way!" You know, Troutman and Dulcich play different positions. Dulcich is way better. Uh, Should have listened to the guru on on that one. I mean, you know, Dulcich last year had a really strong rookie year. Uh, it's kind of is also bolstering why I think these rookie tight ends are going to come out and play well. Dulcich was a full time player out of the gates last year, seventy six percent route share. But yeah, big big concern. And really, you know, guys, listen to this. You're listening to the show. This is, I think, maybe the biggest takeaway from this weekend is Dulcich being a part time player. Troutman played in uh, eleven personnel. That's three wide receiver sets. Uh, Dulcich wasn't on the field. So this, this looks like a tight end by committee. I'll be watching their game closely this week. We'll see if Russ plays again, uh, but I'll be watching this closely. He should. Yeah, he definitely yeah, he should. Reps. Those first two drives were pretty, pretty brutal. The third drive, they, uh, they kind of got in gear and then the fourth drive, that's, that's when they scored. Yeah. I'm not going to draw any sweeping conclusions about Russ from the preseason because I mean, he is learning a new offense, but the first two drives was like, uh Oh. And then, 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 then they got, then they got going. The problem is, you know, the Cardinals are awful. Like they're, they're just a freaking terrible team. So I don't know how much we're going to learn about them uh, from, from the preseason. I've been drafting Dulcich a ton, but I have dropped him way below Chigakonkwo on my favorite breakout tight end. Same. Yeah, same. It's unfortunate. I was in on Dulcich too, Joe. It's just, you know, this is, this is one of the things like, you know, this week there was a lot of teams that rested their starters. We really didn't learn a whole lot, but this is actually one of the few few things that I think really does matter for the Cardinals. Uh, quickly. I just like Michael Wilson. He's a guy I draft late in almost every single draft. He saw three targets. I think he's going to play a lot on the outside for Arizona uh, in the, let's go to the Saturday games here. Quick. See if we can find anything. Uh, Tajay Spears for the Tennessee Titans looks like he could be taking over that role behind Derrick Henry. Uh, do you guys have any interest in him as anything more than a handcuff for this year? Not really. Yeah, he's a contingent value guy, but a, a really good contingent value guy. I think, I think, yeah, man, I think he's the best backup. If, if you're Henry into handcuffing, uh, yeah. like like John Hansen's into hand, he's old school. He's into handcuffing. Um, He's actually moving Derrick Henry up in our projections because he feels better about the ability to handcuff him. Um, so um, that's actually going to be there's there are people in the industry who would absolutely vomit at that logic. But it, to John, that's his thing. Like he and he loves Tajay Spears. We just know he's completely contingent on Henry being. Now I'm not saying he won't get a couple of carries or receptions here and there, yeah. but nah, he he's not going to be fantasy relevant with 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 Derrick Henry in the lineup. The Bears broke the internet on Saturday oh, when they throw through a four <laughs> yard pass that went for a touchdown from just four yards minus four. Yeah. 
And no, DJ like- Moore took it to the house for 62 yards. Uh, you know, we all know that DJ Moore is a massive upgrade over anything they had there. Uh, I, I don't think we need an extensive breakdown on that. What I did like from this team, though, and I think everybody's sleeping on it, is Khalil Herbert. He could yeah. just be that number one running back on this team that nobody's talking about. You know, I love Deontay, uh, excuse me, Roshan Johnson. They still got down to form and they brought in. But Herbert's a starting running back. He played every single snap with the starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only seven snaps, but hey. You know, we yeah, talked to Adam Kaplan last week, and and yeah. he said Foreman's going to really be involved, but that was not the case in the in the first preseason game. Herbert looked good, uh, and you know he's a guy I've been he's a guy I've been drafting. What like basically I drafted him. Maybe this ends up being a mistake, but I draft I've drafted him ten times out of ten over Devin A. Chain, who's kind of like there's those two yeah. unsettled backfields. Miami and Chicago are really unsettled. They're the two backfields that don't have any running backs going in the top thirty by ADP. Um, but I've been taking Herbert over a chain 10 times out of 10. Those are the first guys drafted from those respective backfields. Yeah. What? Yeah, definitely. in on Herbert, um, Joe, I, you can tilt all you want, but Justin Fields averaged 43 yards per attempt. <laughs> like I mean, look, those numbers count, baby. I, oh no, they do count. <laughs> but no, like, here's just what I'm saying is like, and like, I understand the, the, I understand the rules of engagement on Twitter, right? But like, oh, Justin Fields with a perfect passer rating. I'm like, oh, come on. Now everybody's like, oh, you know, he's the only player. Look, yes, I understand. Last year he didn't have a player like DJ Moore who could take a screen pass that's a yard be- – yard. Uh, look, I'm ripping out my headphones. Take a screen pass that's a yard uh, behind him and a yard at his feet and take it to the house. He did not have that player last year, and he does this year. That is always going to increase somebody's margin for error. But let's not act like he's a polished passer at this point. Now, last year, we had the same questions about Jalen Hurts. I understand that. Mm-hmm. So let's yep. just uh, like, but let's just, you know, pump the brakes on the perfect passer rating here, man. Come on. That's a, that's yeah. a great, great uh, nugget to, to pull I, from. I have, a, I have a hot take, man. NFC's wide ass open. I, I think Bears make the playoffs this year, and I think they're solidly a playoff team. Like very Ooh, solid. That is that is a pretty hot take. Like I, what, I mean, you look at their their strength of schedule is so freaking easy, guys. Like there's always teams. Like last year, the Jags were actually a pretty good example. Like yeah, they had a really easy strength of schedule, and they just like kind of rolled into the playoffs. Like I think that logic applies to the Bears this year. Like, I think much improved, much improved team. Yeah. DJ Moore, much improved defense, better better offensive line, horrible conference. Not great division. Like the Vikings will be good. The Packers will probably win eight or nine games again. But I, I think the Bears are a playoff team. Like I, I think this. I'm buying Bears for sure. The Panthers. I'm still not there on the defense, but you know. Yeah. yeah. Panthers, Jets. We already exhausted ourselves on the Jets. We didn't see anything from them. They brought in, uh, a, a, as we know, Delvin Cook. But for the Panthers, interesting nugget in this game: Jonathan Mingo started yeah. and played eight of eleven snaps. With the starting unit, he played ahead of Terrace Marshall, who got banged up this week uh, already. So Jonathan Mingo, a guy who underdog ADP has him at wide receiver 67. This is somebody I, I don't think the casual fantasy player is drafting enough. Yeah, Mingo is uh, – I've done a little bit of a 180 on Mingo. When I was looking at him in uh, April and May around the draft, I was like, man, you know, he's not super productive. You look at his efficiency metrics, not super great. But man, he blew out like super, uh, extremely great athlete. Uh, there are some in-game metrics that showed he was an extremely good athlete, along with Michael Wilson. And then, yeah, 
uh, week one of the preseason, he's a co-starter with DJ Chark and Adam Thielen. Like this is not even a question. He's going to start in 11 personnel. Um, it'll be interesting to see who's their, what their 12 personnel is. That's two tight end, two wide receiver. I think it'll be Chark and Thielen to start the year, but it could be Mingo. Um, I mean, Mingo just clearly has the most upside out of all these guys. He's the most athletic. Um, DJ Chark though, uh, has apparently blown up Panthers camp. Like before he hurt his ankle and had all the problems with his ankle, he's had like three surgeries on it now. I mean, Chark was on a very, very strong ascension with the Jags. Um, man, I, I think DJ Chark and Mingo are, are both a little undervalued right now. Let's see, Jacksonville took on the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone's been talking up Tank Bigsby. Tank Bigsby, though, in this game, only played one snap with Trevor Lawrence. It was a third down play. Uh, we didn't get to see an extended run from him, so we'll have to kind of table that and see what happens. But that's where I want to go with you guys is ETN Bigsby. ETN was terrible at the goal line last year. Maybe that's where Bigsby comes in and makes makes a difference. Are you buying the Bigsby hype this year, and has it soured you on ETN, or are you taking it as a buying opportunity to get a piece of ETN in what could be a playoff offense in Jacksonville? Me, I, I think ETN's just been a really solid fourth round pick all offseason. I don't think he's like a great fourth round pick. I don't think he's a bad fourth round pick. I just think he's really solid. And and Bigsby to me, you know, he's just kind of profiled as, you know, the change of pace and backup guy. I actually take it another way. I, I think it's a good sign that Bigsby got that one snap with the first team. Cause like I was mentioning, Devin A. Chain was buried. Roshan Johnson was buried. Like Roshan didn't play in the third until the third quarter for the Bears. So I actually think it's a good thing that Bigsby got on the field with the first team on that on that short yardage carry. Uh, the annoying thing, though, is Jamichael Hasty is still going to play on passing downs. Nobody wants to hear this. Literally, this will be the only show you listen to all offseason that somebody mixes in Jamichael Hasty. But the dude got 26 targets last year. He'll probably play on some third downs, which will hurt ETN and Bigsby. To me, Bigsby is just a contingent value guy. Like if ETN gets hurt, we're going to feel pretty good about Bigsby as an RB2. But to me, ETN is the clear early down back. And then, yeah, the big question is, you know, is Bigsby mix in on the goal line is it still etn i think that's really the big question and that still kind of remains to be seen uh but yeah i think in between the 20s it's it's etn's job to lose joe this i read and it sort of puzzled me and again we can't take much from it because trevor lawrence only played 12 snaps and had six dropbacks but calvin ridley and zay jones were the two wide receivers in Every two wide receiver set. Christian Kirk only played in the slot in three wide sets. Does that shock you a little bit, even in a very, very small sample size? No, not in a small sample size. I think Christian Kirk yeah. is going like I mean, like he has he has chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. Like that, yeah. There's no way they're going to to reduce his set nap significantly after a 90 catch season last year. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and and just keep in mind, I've seen this passed around on Twitter so many times. Please, if you take anything away from the podcast, this. The Jags were at 78% 11 personnel last year on passing downs. Like they are 11 personnel team. The league average is like 72%. So anytime you see somebody say, oh, Christian Kirk only played in the slot. It's like, yeah, they're, they're going to be a full times 11 personnel team. It's not a big deal. Don't overthink it. Not, not a lot going on in, uh, in Colts bills. Although we have seen Anthony Richardson officially named as the Colts starter for this season. Uh, no, that uh, locks him to, in as a top 12 quarter. Not that he wasn't by ADP, but that ob ob obviously locks him in. He's the only potential. Well, 
outside of Daniel Jones, he's the only potential cheat code quarterback you can get outside of like the first five rounds of drafts. Uh, did Kyler Murray die? Kyler Murray. Okay. I mean, he might be. He might be dead. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray. <laughs> uh, he, Kyler Murray might not start the season though. So no. He, yes. He, yes. He, Kyler, Kyler is very cheap. Yes. Kyler I saw Schefter last night on that uh, fantasy football marathon that ESPN does. He was talking with Stefania Bell. It, it almost got contentious at one point where he was like, "I don't know if Kyler Murray plays the whole season," and they just put him on the shelf and trade him. And uh, you know, Stefania was going back and forth with him. But interesting that that Schefter would say that again, folks. I want you to go out of your way, find the conversation between Guru and Schefter uh, in our podcast feed and on YouTube. Alec Pierce's ADP would have shot through the roof. He, he could have caught a forty-yard oh, pass. I know. Uh, you know, but he dropped that one for the Bills. You know, hey, it's the James Cook show. I think James Cook's going to start rocketing up boards. You know, with he maybe is. this Brees Hall news and. You know, Ram- you know, Ramondre, who knows if people want to downgrade him, but I think that James Cook's just way too low, and he's going up, Graham. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cook's going way up. I think you're going to see him going to, um, you know, July, mid-July, he was going to, Cook was going in the 90s. I think we're going to see Cook into the yeah. 60s, like late 60s in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, man, Damian Harris has a knee issue. Latavius Murray's 33. By the way, Latavius looked good. Uh, he doesn't look 33. I that think the big take- just keep cashing them checks, man. Oh, like, my God, him. man. Yeah, seriously. Uh, The big takeaway real quick, Brian, is that Khalil Shakir is no longer the Bills wide receiver three. Trent uh, Sherfield and Deontay Hardy both mixed in with Dalton Kincaid and Dalton Knox uh, with that first team. So I've been reading that Bills beats have been saying Shakir has had like an up and down summer and appears he's been demoted. So if you've been taking late round shots on Shakir and best ball, I would I'd probably tame that just a little bit. He still has time to be their, their three. But right now, I think it's Sherfield and Hardy kind of mixing in, which kind of throws a wrench into all of that. Dalton Kincaid played four of the five snaps with Josh Allen. Just a, just a heads up, folks. Yeah. Joe, you well, were big it, on Twitter with – oh, go ahead. No, it, they're, they're going to run this like 11 plus one personnel, I like to call it. It's it's Kincaid in the slot. He's a slot receiver. He's not a tight end. And, Kincaid, and Knox will still be a full-time player. Joe, you used to work for the Philadelphia Eagles. You were the king of the preseason depth chart. Rumors swirled last week at Kenny Gainwell, maybe the Eagles RB1. Uh, you kind of debunked that a little bit on Twitter. You know, they they did sign uh, Rashad Penny. They traded for DeAndre Swift. Set us straight here, your thoughts on this Eagles backfield. Well, look, here my, my take was everybody, because Kenny Gainwell's been getting the hype and there were those reports from training camp, um, and then the fact that Gainwell sat while Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift played, everybody was like, oh, my God. No. Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott both sat. And Boston Scott is not a lock for this roster. Here's mm-hmm. what happened. The Eagles wanted Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott, who have had three years in this offense, to sit. DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny have not had three years in the offense. Rashad Penny is coming off a long layoff because he's been injured. I do not buy that Kenny Gainwell is the guy the Eagles want to be their number one running back. I simply do not buy it. Kenny Gainwell has 170 touches in his career and has one gain of 20 yards. And it's 20 on the nose. That is not how the Eagles want to play. The Eagles want explosive plays. DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny will provide explosive plays. Kenny Gainwell is reliable. Look at the numbers. By Fantasy Points data, he was number one in the NFL in runs that gained one yard in terms of percentage, and he was number one in the NFL, at least one yard, and he was number one in the NFL in terms of runs that gained at least three yards. He was literally the best short yardage back in football last year, but he has no explosion whatsoever. 
I view him as the Eagles version of Samaj P. Ryan. They will rely on Kenny Gainwell. And I'm not saying he won't play. And I'm not saying he's not a great pick at ADP. I think he's a very good pick at ADP. Because last year, they wanted reliable. You saw that. They essentially benched Miles Sanders in the Super Bowl. So they want reliable. They view Gainwell as reliable. But I also think they want, when they're playing their normal, non-two-minute drill offense, they want explosive plays. That's what they want. If you want an explosive play, you put in J.K. Dobbins because the Rams will be able to do that this week. Uh, they have uh, brought him back in. He's going to be getting up to speed. So maybe that quells some rumors that you know about he and, and his health uh, in Baltimore. Not much happened in the battle for Los Angeles. The Chargers rested everybody. We did see some Quinton Johnson. You know He's a, a very intriguing rookie, so I think a lot of folks are going to take shots on him. You guys take anything away from the Chargers-Rams game, Graham? Uh, no, Stetson Bennett, man, uh, looked all right. He's tiny, but, uh, he throws laser beams out there. He just, it's, it's crazy. He just like stands in the pocket, does not move feet, don't move. And he just throws freaking lasers. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, I don't got anything from this game. The chiefs saints game was highlighted by, uh, you know, our own Scott Barrett doing naked cartwheels down the highway as, <laughs> uh, Justin Ross hits the field and scores a touchdown. So, you know, you can follow Scott on Twitter and, and see all his love for Justin Ross. But is this a real thing, guys? Or should we be drafting Justin Ross? Uh, it, uh, it looks like he might make this team here. And anybody attached to Patrick Mahomes, I kind of want a piece of. Yeah, unfortunately, Drake, it looks like he just had an injury in practice. So we'll see. Um, oh, boy. Ross, Ross is going to make the team, though. And this is because of the Tony injury. They'll, they'll keep seven wide receivers. Uh, but it was Marquez Valdez Scantling and Sky Moore as the top two receivers. Then Rasheed Rice mixed in and Justin Watson. Uh, to me, I think Sky Moore is the only guy we can bank on to project to be full time. I think he's their full time slot receiver, regardless of Tony's health. And then Tony will obviously mix in when he gets healthy. Um, Sky Moore is a guy who's I've been drafting a, a lot of, and he's really come up my board. And, and frankly, I think he's really the only guy I'm kind of targeting. Uh, we know what MVS is. Rasheed Rice is interesting. It looks like he's bulked up a little bit too. Uh, but again, I think he's a part-time player. So to me, it's it's still Sky. And then just, I mean, maybe one of these guys pops, but I, I think we're really only going to get one. And I just want to bet on Sky. Finally, gentlemen, 49ers, Raiders, uh, Trey Lance got the start and just looked kind of crappy. The line that he had in front of him was abysmal. So I, who knows how much we can take for that. And for the Raiders, Joe, it was Zamir White who was running in place of Josh Jacobs. Uh, you know, and he got 43 carry or 43 yards, excuse me, and a touchdown. So that's kind of, you know, the lay of the land for that game. I don't know what we can glean from these uh, two teams, but I think the 49ers have a ton of weapons on offense and we're going to be heavily invested. And the Raiders are going to be up and down week to week in a shootout division. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell is going to start some games this year, by the way. Yeah, man. He looks Presu good. presuming Tom Brady doesn't come out of retirement. Yo, Aiden O'Connell was dotting receivers, like literally dot after dot in between the numbers. Like I was super impressed with him. Um, he he should have gone 17 of 18. He had two drops on third downs that would have extended drives. Uh, he looked really good. And by the way, this is like not for nothing. It actually matters. Like this is actually kind of big for Devontae Adams because at the end of the day, Adams could play with any any quarterback that can hit him, he's gonna do well with. Like I uh yeah, I think Devontae Adams is gonna be just fine this year. And Graham, and you, you, folks out, you had some uh, observations about Zamir White, didn't you? Oh, boy. Yeah, he's uh, 
I, the Raiders, the Raiders can't be serious with him as their RB two. Like I, I don't want to be like mean to the guy. I don't want to be like a hater, but he, they can't be serious with him as their two. He is so slow. Yeah, can they say, hey, we don't want to pay Josh Jacobs, and then go give money to Kareem Hunt to come in? I mean, that would just look ass backwards. That's the thing, man. It's like there's there's been no buzz about any of the free agents going there. You know, I I don't know. Who wanna, really? Wanna, we really don't know. You want to take? Yes, of course. I think I think the Raiders could be the worst team in the NFL this year. That is certainly within the range of outcomes. Absolutely, they will. They could certainly be in the Caleb. They Williams should. I, I mean, like I, now, here's the problem. If if they are, I think Josh McDaniels loses his job. But I would love to see them trade Devontae Adams at the deadline. Go go tank. Go get Caleb Williams there. Get a star. Get a star in Vegas. No question about it. Uh, great job, guys. Thanks to you for you know giving us. A good 70 minutes of content right here, folks. Make sure you're checking out fantasypoints.com. Go over there, get your cheat sheets, get in on the fantasy points data for just 50 bucks this year. Dominate your leagues. And of course, go over to fjfantasy.com. Use our promo code FANTASYPTS10 and save 10% off your draft board. So for Joe, for our guest, Graham Barfield, I'm Brian Drake. We'll see you guys next time on the Two Points Dance. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.